Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Kreider here with the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. Great to have you in the studio. My friend Kevin Graves, welcome, welcome. So glad to have you here. It's great to be here, Larry. Well, I know you've been involved in many kinds of leadership over the years, and we're going to dig into some things you've learned from the past, some leadership lessons you've learned that's going to help people in 75-plus countries that are listening to this right now. So first of all, tell me about some areas of leadership that you've experienced over the years. What are some things you've done? Sure, sure. Um, well, I started as a practitioner. Yeah. Um, and I really spent a lot of years doing church planting. But as a church planter, I was soon propelled into a situation where I was connecting with, with church leaders, with people who were sure. in the, involved in the work of the ministry. And so it naturally evolved into a time where I would spend time together with them, uh, learn together with them, and ultimately it gave me a platform to be able to minister to them. Right. So how many years have you been involved in this kind of ministry, this kind of leadership? How many years has it been since you actually first started? Sure. Uh, 38 years wow. I've been involved. So. It's, uh, it's been a lifetime, it seems like, but it's been wonderful. Wow. Yeah. And you're only about 40, so you started really <laughs> young, right? <laughs> Fantastic. Well, talk about growing up. You grew up in Vermont, is that right? I sure did. Yeah, I was, uh, I was raised in Vermont. Uh, my grandfather was a lay preacher. Wow. There was some Christian influence in, in the family, but uh, really I was the first one in my generation to really come back and dedicate my life to the really? Lord. And, uh so, yeah. How, tell me how that happened. I love to hear these God stories. It's always the stories behind the stories that help so many people. How did that happen? Well, it's, uh, it, it is a story. It, it takes a long time to, to dig into the details. But fundamentally, when I was uh, 15 years old, I felt like God was really drawing me to wow. himself. I didn't have anybody in my world who believed. But I was given a Bible when I was, uh, I would say I was five years old. Uh, you know, in the Methodist church where we grew up, we had kind of a confirmation type thing. Sure. And, uh, and I was given a Bible and it was just something I put away. But when I was 15, I didn't tell anybody, but I brought the Bible out and I began to read it. And That's I amazing. Could, I couldn't put it down. That's amazing. So you grew up in the Methodist church. John Wesley, the founder, is one of my heroes. I've read his autobiography and, you know, all the stories of John Wesley and all the stuff he did with societies and cell groups, you know, and, and class meetings, he called them and all that. Well, and, sadly, they were not preaching the gospel <laughs> in the Methodist churches in Vermont. If there were ones that were preaching the wow. gospel, I was not a part of them. So I've I admit, never heard the gospel, yeah. but I heard a lot from the, the Reader's Digest. <laughs> you know, I was visiting... A some friends in New Jersey once, and they were staunch Methodists. And they said that one day they heard about John Wesley, their founder of their movement. They were not believers. You know, they simply were being 
religious. And so they picked up this book by John Wesley. They said, we read this book. And they said, we realize, you know, how he lived his life and what he taught. He shared the clear, pure gospel. And said, we get saved. We came to Christ, you know, through the reigns of John Wesley. So you grew up in that setting. But I mean, obviously, you started to read the Bible. What happened next? Yeah. So the Lord obviously had his eye on me. And uh, so over a period of about a six-week period of time, I had never met a born-again Christian up until the time I was was 16 years old, although I was seeking the Lord on my own. But um, one night I was actually at a party. I'd drunk quite a bit. And I met somebody there who shared the gospel with me. Amazing. And uh, so that was the first time I, I ended up meeting with uh, this person uh, a few more times just to ask more questions. I was, uh, I, I didn't act like I was interested yeah. uh, in the sense that I didn't want to let on that I really wanted to become a Christian, but my heart ached and mm. I knew she had something I didn't have. Yeah. And, um, but the amazing thing was, is over a period of six weeks, I kept meeting Christians. Really? God had people in place for you. Exactly. And it was like, I knew that God was... Uh, was chasing me in a sense. Yeah. And so I, I finally surrendered. That's amazing. So here you are, this young man surrenders to God. And today, looking back, you've had all this leadership experience. God opened all these doors for you. We'll talk more about some of that in a moment. Uh, did you have any inkling that back in those days that you'd be called to, you know, Christian leadership? Or was that a call from God back then? Actually, you know, it was, Larry. I, I, um, because in Vermont in those days, we did not have a strong church movement either. Right. Um, and I didn't even become involved in a good church for a few years. Um, but because I was seeking God, I was yeah. learning to pray, yeah. I really had a sense that I was supposed to serve God. Wow. It was deeply embedded inside of me. And uh, occasionally I would get like these, these strong words that, that, that really spoke to me. And I'm like, wow, am I supposed to serve? So I, um, I, I shared this with my parents who were sympathetic because, uh, again, my grandfather was a lay preacher in the right. Methodist church. So there was the inkling of it. There was sure. some sense of a shadow of it in the household. Um, but yeah, that, that was really in me from the time, almost from the time I was saved. That's amazing. Now, what about the whole leadership side of things? You know, you've been involved in so much leadership, training leaders around the world. You know, the whole leadership. Did you have any inkling that maybe God could use you when you're, you know, in the next seasons of your life to be training leaders, that kind of thing? Well, you know, this is really one of the areas where you and I connect, Larry, because um, of your revelation and what God has used you in the area of, of spiritual sons yes. and daughters and, mm-hmm. and the whole connection of spiritual parenting. Yes. Because when I did finally get a church that was healthy, the, the senior pastor of the church was really an apostolic leader. Yeah. And he took me under his wings and he imparted to me and he took me as a son and Beautiful. He, wherever he would go, he said, uh, you know, you come with me, yeah, I, mean, I will amazing. just show you what I do. And, you know, I've just been amazed at the people that God has sent to me in my life that that just, whether they saw something in me or just by the spirit, they they said, you know, this is somebody that's worth my time. And I, I, so leadership evolved because I was brought into the shadow of both great men. So did you feel like these quote unquote great men were pursuing you? 
or were you pursuing them, or was it a combination? Because so many you know, younger leaders, potentially leaders, ask me, you know, I need a spiritual father. Yeah. You know, and they say, do I pursue that, or do they pursue me? What was your experience? I think it's probably a little of both. Okay. You know, um, I, I think, well, what does it say in the last verse in the Old Testament, right? It says that uh-huh. I will turn the hearts of the fathers right. to the children and the hearts of the children to That's the right. fathers. So I think it's both directional. There was definitely a hunger in me. Yeah. I didn't necessarily understand that it was a hunger to be a leader per se, right, right. but the people that brought me into their, uh, into their close association right, and all of that right. were quality leaders. And yeah. so it, it was a lesson for me and an opportunity for me to emulate sure, their, sure. their character as well as their, basically their ministry, their ministry styles. And somewhere along the line, you got a revelation to get some Bible school. And uh, you went to Elam, as I understand. Is that That's correct? right. I went to Elam Bible Friends Institute. At Elam. Yeah. Yep. Talk, talk to me about it. It was back when I remember it was Elam Bible Institute. So talk to me about it. How did that happen? So I was, uh, I first went to um, a secular university, Hamilton okay. College in upstate New York. It was just a place where I, I understood that I should go to pursue a career. And, uh, you know, I didn't know that what ministry was, right. that, that was not something that I really understood at the time. But while I was there, uh, while I was at Hamilton, I went okay. to an Elam church. Okay. And so that's when I began to get connected with, with Elam, the roots of okay. Elam and the movement of Elam. And uh, then I started a, a group on the college campus mm-hmm. and God prospered it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was something that uh, showed that there was, there was something in me because People were drawn to my leadership, sure. were drawn to, me, drawn to me. And I invited, what's the name was Mike Cavanaugh. Maybe I, you know, I know Mike. Mike. I sure know Mike. So sure. uh, Mike was overseeing uh, um, many uh, college groups, and he had a ministry called Basic, Brothers and Sisters in Christ. Well. And uh, so I asked Brother Mike to come and, you know, to introduce this to our campus, and uh, he ministered on our campus. And really, Brother Mike was one of those guys who also had um, quite an influence on me for the for those few years of my life. So even though I went sure. back to Vermont, mm-hmm. I only went to school for two years because I, I didn't feel like it was it was going to lead me down the path where I needed to go. So I had the the sense to not just continue in in darkness or in blindness, but to go back to Vermont to seek the face of the Lord for what He had for me next. And it was at that time that. I heard the, the voice of God calling yeah. me into so, the ministry. So that's been a real key for you also in leadership, a real leadership truth. You heard the call of God. Absolutely. You listened to God and God spoke to you and you were called by God to be involved in Christian leadership. Now, you, I mean, today you have a, a global influence. Uh, talk to me a bit more about some of the processes that God took you through to get you to a place where you could be helping leaders in different nations, for example. How did that happen? Sure. I... Again, through my preparation stage, God continued to send me quality people. So it wasn't just education. It was really impartation. Right. And, uh, you know, for all of the people who are listening, who are thinking about about leadership and thinking about how you fit into God's plan, you really have to go beyond the idea of just being a somebody who gives instruction to people. Okay. You have to. We have to impart from our lives to the people that are around okay, us. Okay, talk about that. How does that work? That term impartation, obviously you and I use that a lot, but for some people that's foreign. Mm-hmm. What is it? How do you receive impartation? How do you impart to others? What's that look like? 
Well, you know, some of the classic uh, models that we can look at is, is there was a, a young man by the name of Joshua who stepped under the shadow of, of, of Moses. Right. And Moses was going to die in the wilderness, right. but he had prepared a man. Yeah. But it was more than just a preparation where, uh, okay, um, when these things happen, this is what you need to do. Right. He took him up to the mountain. Yes, he did. He took him into a place where he could, he could see from a distance. He could see Moses. He could see what was happening. He was learning from the man and from his encounters with mm. God. And uh, of course, there are times when when Moses had to leave and, and Joshua right. stayed behind, right. right? Yeah. And and so Moses did it right. Yeah. You know. And then when he, of course, installed him, he prophesied over him. He ministered to him personally, and he he identified um, Joshua as the person who was going to step into his place. Right. But it was a life exchange. It wasn't right. just something that was informational. It wasn't right, something right. instructional. It was really right. impartational. And right. I think. So much of what's been done around the world, obviously people in the world, the secular world, they don't have the ability to impart, but we have the spirit of God. And so we go one step deeper, we go one step farther than everybody else, and we bring an impartation from the spirit. So when you look back, what are some things, if you could change, you would have changed? Or you look back and think, or maybe you did everything perfect. (laughs) Few of us, many of us have. Are there any things you could think of, oh, that's something I wish I would have done differently? Is there anything that comes to mind? Nothing's coming to mind directly except to say that I think as a young man, I I could have and probably should have been more eager to find people who who I could be accountable to. Okay, that's good. That's good. Now, people came into my life. Right. But I have since seen it as an area where leadership rises or falls often on so whether or not your life is held accountable to so people. So true. All whether of this there's a transparency, yep. you know, in your life. And uh, by God's grace, I I was introduced to that, but it was something that I feel like I went some years of my life with a lack of that. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's something that I encourage younger leaders to yeah. seek out now. Yeah. So I, it, it wasn't really a, a huge mistake. Oh, I hear you. But it's something that I, I could see from my own journey that was critical. Yeah. And so now when I teach younger leaders, I really exhort them. I say, Good. you need to find a place where you can feel comfortable to be accountable right. to people. Brings protection, really. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And uh, obviously, we do the same. I had a season in my life when things were going so well spiritually, and we were growing. And the ministry we had was growing, and I thought, well, I don't know that I really need outside accountability. I don't really need fathers. God's my father, which he is obviously. No one replaces Father God. And yet, looking back then, and coming to a place of crisis in my life, uh, you know, recognizing that I was trying to lead a certain way, and others working with me didn't want to lead the same way, and I thought. Who do I go to? You know, I needed accountability and, and, and found that. And so for the last many, many years of my life, there's been that accountability. It's made all the difference in the world. Yeah. So are there key mentors in your life? You say, oh, this person was a role mentor to me. As you look back in your life, are there key persons that have helped you? I, I know you said that you found accountability, you found fathers. But any names that are worth mentioning? Yeah, I would say the, the first person who really mentored me in faith. Yeah was Costa Dare. Yeah, I remember Costa. 
And uh, I mean, Coster was such a fiery man and such a beautiful man. And, uh, you know, the things that, uh, that he, he spoke and the things that he did, yeah. he wrote many books on leadership. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so Costa really was the, the first person who really showed me about faith, yeah. about going into the nations and believing God and yes. trusting God. Yes. And, and uh, so I, I really learned my first and deepest valuable lessons mm. From from Costa Deer. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Let's talk about teamwork. I mean, you've built teams throughout the world. I know you still have teams that you work with. Um, talk about teamworks, how that happened, how you learned to build a team, work with a team. Uh, anything that would help younger leaders on teamwork? Sure. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing about teamwork because... I started out as a so-called independent missionary. Right. You know, I was covered and sent out from an organization. But at the same time, uh, we didn't have other people who were there in that field who were working. And so I could really just pretty much make my own decisions. I could do what I wanted to do. I could get up in the morning late or I could get up in the morning early. Nobody knew. Uh, And I didn't have anybody that was, uh, you know, that was going to be constraining me. Right. In any way. And there's a certain uh, desirability to that kind of flexibility and freedom. So actually, the fact that I ended up starting a work and joining people to me and starting a team, I there were three prophecies that came to me in a in a very short period of time. I, probably looking back, maybe two two months at most, three months. Really, three major prophecies. One was at my my ordination, and and I was it caught me completely by surprise, because people began to prophesy that you're going to start a team. Sure, you're going to have people around you, and uh, I rejected it. I really didn't want it because I felt the liberty and freedom of working on my own. And, uh, you know, I felt I was, the work in the ministry was going very, very well. And, uh, but by the third time, and the people that spoke those words over me are people that were trusted in my sure, life. Sure, sure. And uh, so I surrendered. Mm-hmm. And after surrendering to the Lord on this, within six months, I had 10 people. Wow. wow. And God brought them. You know, God brought them to me. Yeah. Some of them are still with me. Beautiful. You know, we're talking uh, since 1990 to the present time. 19, yeah, it was in the end wow. of 1989 when I was ordained. So, yeah, you're talking 30 about some 30, years. 32 yeah. years. Yeah, that's right. That's amazing. Yeah. So a younger leader sits down with Kevin and says, Kevin, uh, what, are, what are some things I should know as a young leader? I should be prepared for some things that, that you can impart into me. What would you tell them? The first things I would talk to them about probably are matters of the heart rather than mechanics, mm. you know, mm. because really that's where ministry right. rises or falls. That's it where does. it's successful or where it's it fails. If, uh, if a person is not, uh, his character is not strong, uh, then, you know, you can, you can build a ministry on gifts. You mm-hmm. can build ministry on your, your own natural abilities, right. right? but you won't sustain one. That's true. And so I think this is the area where I would first address with them, you know, to try to get them to a place where they really are mature. Their character yes. Yes. can sustain yeah. a work, yeah. Yeah. can sustain the, 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 the dimension of leadership that God has for them. Right, right. And, and to encourage them to be patient. Yeah. 
Uh, it's one of the first signs of an apostle is actually patience. Um, <laughs> That's true. It's it, scriptural. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. very scriptural. So, um, you know, people like the other parts of uh, the apostle, you know, all of the uh, authority he has and, right. the, you know, the miracles and all of that. But really, um, I think if somebody wants to be raised up, has a desire for leadership, which, yeah. which is good. Right. It's healthy. It's wholesome yeah. to, to have a desire. But of course, that, that desire also needs to be right. measured against motivation. Yeah. What is your motivation for wanting to be a leader? Yeah. Um, and so then ultimately it gets back to a matter of the heart. Mm-hmm. So if anybody's a young leader looking to, to serve God, looking to be used of the Lord in any, any form of leadership, then I would really encourage them to make sure yeah. that their character is, is strong. So good. You know, Kevin, all of us, all of us involved in leadership for many years, you know, I, I both involved in leadership for more than 30, um, and especially ministry leadership. Uh, we all have gone through some difficult times, you know, in leadership. And maybe you haven't, but almost everybody I know has. If you were to look back and say, this was a difficult time, I went through a difficult time, and I found a way through it. Can you think of any examples from your life that would help younger leaders? Sure. And I have been through difficult times. You know, I think this is just the way God forms and fashions right. us in leadership. That's you know, right. He, he takes us through times where we're rejected by men, uh-huh. where we go through huge misunderstandings, where we we're mischaracterized for the right. things that we do and our reputation is right. on the line. All of these things, I've, I've faced them. Uh, you know, we don't dwell on them. And yeah. that's, that's part of God's grace. That is. You know, there are people that do dwell on them and then they stall. Yeah. Um, but if you're able to, first of all, receive God's grace, mm. but then extend God's grace. That's good. Yeah. Receive you, God's grace and then extend God's that's grace. That's right. You know, the receiving of God's grace is when you are attacked, when you're brought under scrutiny or when, yeah. when people are, you know, sometimes the motivation is, is pure, but their, their methods are wrong, right. you know, whatever. But when it comes... We need to understand that God has grace for us, that we go to God for grace. There's a a throne that we can run to to receive grace and help in in those times of need. But also just as important is we have to know how to extend grace because if you don't extend grace to those people, then then what ends up, you end up carrying these things in your heart and your spirit becomes contaminated. You know, if you don't learn to extend grace to people, then you end up becoming sometimes bitter or resentful right. or right. or you react to mm-hmm. people rather than respond to God. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Graves, today, yeah, I'm assuming you're in your 60s. Is that right? I'll be 61 next week. All right. Yeah. Oh, happy birthday. All right. <laughs> so looking back 30 years, 40 years, what's different about the leadership of Kevin Graves today compared to the way you led 20, 30, 40 or more years ago? Well, I think I'm now a grandfather as well. So I, I, one of the things that's a useful illustration for me is I think I used to lead more as a father, uh-huh. but now I lead more as a grandfather. Explain the difference. <laughs> well, um, as a grandfather, I'm a little bit more hands-off, you know, um, because my sons, my spiritual sons, they don't need me to micromanage right. their, their lives. Now, Very good. as a father... People needed more direction. They needed more input. They needed regular, uh, you know, you could say even weekly kinds right. of times where there was an exchange. But as you move into a, a grandfathering role, you're able to step back a little bit 
and you lead primarily by influence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not so much by instruction, but you lead primarily by influence. That's powerful. Leading by influence rather than leading by instruction. And you're right. Grandfather role would do that more than than a father role. Of course, the big brother role would even be more often two hands on, you know. So, you know. So, what are key issues that you find leaders facing today? I mean, especially in the church world. You and I are both in the church world. Um, what are some key issues you think that you see leaders facing today that we should be aware of? I think the number one thing that if if anybody is listening and is a uh, it doesn't matter what stage of leadership you're right. in, but this needs to be a cry on the heart of everybody who has leadership in the body of Christ, and that is. A cry for discernment. Yeah. I mean, Larry, we yep. we needed discernment 30 years ago. But if yep. I were to be honest, I would say that there's never been a time when we need discernment more than we need it today. And it's only going to get more dramatically needed in the days ahead. True. Because we live in those kind of times. We live in very deceptive times. The release of deception, the 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 enemy's tactics, um, mm. you know, are such that as leaders, we need to really know that True. we know that we know by the Spirit. Yes. This yes. is the Lord. Yes. Or this is That's some right. sort of, of a diversion. That's you know? right. This is a distraction. Or yep. is this really exactly. from the Lord? So, I, I, you know, discernment. Nothing, nothing to me probably matters more at this stage of my mm. ministry and, and as I interact with leaders than the need for discernment. Yeah, and I agree with that, not just here in America, but around the world as we relate to leaders in different nations. The need for discernment is critical in the days we live in now. Yeah. One more question for you, and that is, is there anything else that you want our leaders to know about leadership? You say, here's something that I just want to drop yet. Anybody, whether they've been leading for years or they're younger leaders or newer leaders or aspiring to leadership, anything else you'd want them to know? There's a verse in, in Romans that says, as long as it's, as much as it's within our yes. ability, yes. Our, it's, it belong, you know, as far as our ability to, to do is to stay at peace with all men. Yeah. Explain that. That's so right. Yeah. I, I think one thing that I can, I'm very, 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 very grateful for, I can look back and I can say, as far as it, it's within my power to right. do, I don't know of anybody that I have an issue with. You know, I don't so feel like good. I have a, a, something that I went through with somebody yeah. somewhere along my journey that was handled in such a way that I tried to avoid that person. Right, or, right. And so I think this is something that I, when, I, when I think about it, this is very, very valuable very, to me. Very, very good. Yeah. Very, very good. I, I agree. Kevin, it's so good having you with me today. I'd like if you'd pray, if you just pray for anyone listening, people in leadership, people aspiring to leadership. Pray for them, and uh, and then uh, for those who are listening, then go to the show notes for any more information that they'd want to pick up about this podcast today or anything that you're sharing with us here. But pray for pray for leaders and future leaders who are listening to this podcast. I mean, you have a great anointing on your life, and you minister leaders all over the world, and I appreciate you so much. Appreciate your heart, your spirit, and what you're talking about here is what I see in you. So I appreciate the authenticity. So would you do that, please? Amen. I'd be happy to. Father, we live in very, very uh, dark times, Mm. very confusing times, conflicting times. 
And so, Lord, I want to pray for each one of the leaders that's listening here today, mm. Lord God. God, I, I do pray that you will bring into their lives uh, people who can bring them impartation. Yes. Lord, that they will position them uh, with people side by side. Sometimes we need peers. Yeah. But Lord, also in, in spiritual sonship. And for those who are more mature among us, those who will walk with spiritual sons and daughters, Lord, yes. that you will bring alignment Lord, that you will uh, supernaturally connect people. Mm. Um, Lord, that these kind of connections will define the, the, our lives and our future, Lord God, because this is what you're doing in our hour and our day. Mm. And so, Father, I pray for each one here, Lord God, that you will cause them to prosper. They will be mm. fruitful, Lord God. And Lord, uh, probably one of the most difficult things we'll ever have to learn, and uh, it's a lifetime less lesson, but Lord, would you grant each one that's yes. listening here today a patience, right. patience, patience with you, patience with others, mm -hmm. Lord God. One of the great fruits of the Spirit, patience, mm. patience, patience, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Kevin, thank you so much. That was refreshing. <laughs> and for all of our listeners, again, check out the show notes, get more information on the, some of the things that Kevin talked about today. And Kevin, it's a great joy to have you on the podcast and look forward to seeing you again soon. We, our paths cross every once in a while. And it's great. Thanks for taking this half hour out just to share your heart on leadership with our listeners. Mm -hmm. For everyone else, God bless you. Look forward to seeing you real soon, week after week. New podcasts coming out, people sharing leadership lessons from around the world. And you have an amazing week, and we look forward to having you connect with us again real soon for the Larry Kreider Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.